0: Quite a leap in 30-year Treasury yields after a big bond auction in the last hour or so that didn't go well. Less demand has pushed yields up. We'll look at the market impacts of that. Maybe they've been listening to Mark Spitznagel, one contrarian, who says that there's so much debt that it's going to come back and bite us, and the Fed is going to have to lower rates a lot further than most expected. That is one view. Perhaps more attention, though, is going to be paid to the views of Jerome Powell. He's talking soon. And the RBA statement of monetary policy is out with new forecasts today. So what will change? It's Friday, the tenth November 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a 0.3 percent lift in the U.S. dollar this morning. The Aussie dollar is down half a percent, below 64 U.S. cents. The euro is down 0.4 percent. The pound down half a percent. And equities in the green for quite a lot of the overnight session, but down since the 30-year bond auction in the U.S. that we're going to talk about today. The Dow is down 0.7 percent, 0.8 percent off the S and P, and 0.9 percent lower for the Nasdaq. The Euro stocks 50 closed up 1.2 percent. The FTSE 100 up 0.7 percent, and bond yields are back on on the rise up 14 basis points for 10-year treasuries three basis points for 10 years across most of europe including the uk aussie 10 years were down five basis points yesterday to 4.53 percent up 12 basis points on futures overnight so following the rest of the pack and oil is back up a bit as well today up over two percent at one stage but well back now just 0.3 percent up for wti and 0.4 percent for brent falling back below 80 dollars a barrel now so a bit of a turnaround on yesterday and a bit of a turnaround on a few hours ago in other words choppy is the word for today why well let's talk to nabs Tappa strickland in sydney first the new news tapas 24 billion dollars worth of 30 year bonds went up for auction not as popular as they would have liked i think a yield of 4.769 percent so what do you make out of that i mean it's certainly pushed 30 year yields higher overall hasn't it and you know in fact right across the yield curve
1: Good morning, Phil. Yes, uh, going into today, there wasn't too much in the way of events, but that 30-year auction uh, was not well well received and drew weaker than expected demand. And you can clearly see that, as you noted, uh, it had a draw of 4.769%, but that's versus a pre-sale when issued at 4.716%. So um, obviously drew at a much higher yield than it went into. Um, And interestingly, the bid to cover on the sale was also pretty soft at 2.24 from 2.35 in the prior. And so that just shows you the demand for duration at current yields, just given the rally we have seen in bonds, is just not there to the same extent. Um, And there's a lot of hesitation Mm. and a lot of discussion actually over the past couple of months about what has driven the big increase in yields that we did see that has obviously subsequently reversed out um, some notion of that was due to a higher term premium given that the US government budget deficit was running at say minus 7% of GDP uh, and it was just thought then that maybe that was requiring a higher premium uh, for people to buy US treasury debt and at least this 30 year option yeah. does play into that view as well um, it also potentially says maybe we're pass the rally in terms of where bonds could rally in the current environment without a significant change in the economic outlook. Because um, after all, we've rallied some... 50 basis points in terms of yields um, for the 10-year over the past week and a half. And that's quite a large rally. And uh, I guess this is just one check in regards to that rally without a significant change in the economic outlook.
0: So 30 years is a long way away as well, isn't it? So it carries a certain amount of risk, doesn't it? Maybe some of them, moon listening to Mark, Mark Spitznagel uh, from uh, Universal Investments, Talking on Bloomberg, he said, you know, we're in this brief Goldilocks period right now. So we've got rates on hold. We've got shares rising. But next year, he's uh, saying Father Bear is going to come home unannounced. The lag effect of uh, those high rates, because we're carrying so much debt, is going to come home to roost. There's going to be recession. Central banks will have to go back to easing, maybe getting back down to zero. And that's when the share market plummets. You know, shares will keep rising to that point. That's one theory that's out there. Maybe that scared a few people off.
1: Yeah, well, I can't really speak to that view, But when you do look at, uh, at Fed funds pricing, for instance, then uh, over the past week, you've seen uh, US Fed funds pricing in those cuts for 2024. So at the moment, there's about 87 basis points worth of cuts priced in there. So there has been a little bit of a change in view over the past uh, week, uh, just given we did have that softer than expected payrolls last week out there. Um, I think some of the hesitation may have also come because Powell speaks uh, in an hour as well. So maybe a little bit of hesitation in terms of what he would have to say. And then also just going into the weekend, just given the uncertainty going on as well in terms of geopolitical events.
0: Yeah, well, maybe. But we, I mean, we've had Bostick and Barkin, haven't we? Yeah, speaking overnight as well. Uh, and they've both been sounding dovish, haven't they? So Barkin's saying, in aggregate, we're not seeing the full effects of policy. So the lag effect, in other words, is what he's saying, isn't it? And we're hearing more and more of that from the Fed. You know, central bankers definitely have changed their tone in the last week or so, haven't they?
1: It does, especially from the U.S. Fed. And it really does seem to be that they're hearing a lot of anecdotes of softness, although the harder data seems to be going okay. And in that context, you look at US jobless claims and they came in at 217,000 last week, pretty much in line with expectations uh, and still indicative of a fairly tight labor market there. But uh, as you noted, the Fed's Barkin, um, he had been noting that he's been hearing a lot of anecdotes of softness and he believes the US economy is not as vibrant as recent data uh, shows. And he believes there is a slowing coming. Um and that they're going um and that they're gonna be watching as the data unfolds for that slowing to to, to take effect. But the overwhelming rhetoric from the US Fed officials is that they're okay on the activity side. Um, It's really the inflation side that would get them to hike again. And in that context, next week's US CPI is going to be very, very important. We've rallied quite a long way in terms of bonds. Um, If you did get a hotter than expected CPI, then you could see some retracement there. Alternatively, if you were to get a softer than expected CPI, then you could get a continued um, run of what we have seen over the past.
0: Couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, China's inflation rate yesterday is actually China's deflation rate. CPI is down 0.1% in October, down 0.2% year on year. Producer prices 2.6% down year on year. So uh, you might, you know, read that as a sign the Chinese economy is very slow to recover. Demand is clearly low. And yet, you know, for a chunk of the session overnight, the Aussie dollar was, uh, was until, actually, until that 30 year bond yield, was one of the best performers overnight. Uh, so I'm not quite
1: sure why that is. But there is a bit of a divergence, uh, with what's going on with the Chinese data, what's going on with commodities. So, uh, I guess the one thing to note is the CPI and PPI out of China broadly printed where market consensus was. So it wasn't really a surprise, but it does highlight the quite sizable challenges going on in the Chinese economy there and the need for the government to continue with its incremental um, easing in monetary and fiscal policy. Uh, But then you look at the iron ore price and it's currently fetching, what, $125 a ton? Uh, It doesn't really strike you as... um, as uh, an overwhelming weakness going on in the Chinese economy. Just a lot of uncertainty going on at the moment. And in that context, we do get uh, the Chinese activity data next week, which is going to be looked at quite closely, just given the PMIs recently have all come in softer, and also the trade data was pretty mixed earlier this week as well.
0: And have you got a theory about oil, which it really is, up one day, down the next? Uh, it seems to be a bit all over the place, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it is It is just pretty, pretty choppy, I think. Um I'm not an oil analyst, but the headlines out there do do suggest just some uncertainty around the demand outlook and also some notion that OPEC Plus members um, may become a bit more um, vocal about enforcing some of the supply cuts that they have pledged. Um, It was noted previously that um, although those supply cuts have been pledged, uh, OPEC Plus members had been... um, running okay in terms of supply into the market so um, maybe there's a bit of to and fro in, in regards to that
0: maybe now look today uh the IBA statement on monetary policy that's out shortly are we expecting any surprises I guess it wouldn't be a surprise if we we're expecting them so ignore <laughs> that but we're going to get a full set of forecasts uh what's going to move in those forecasts do you think
1: Uh, Yeah, I think I'm going to be looking at this quite closely and mainly because there's still a lot of uncertainty about exactly where the RBA is forecasting inflation and exactly uh, whether the risks are centred around those forecasts. And that really came because the post-meeting statement that came out on Tuesday, although the RBA hiked rates, it seemed like the hiking bias was less hawkish and that's certainly what markets reacted to and indeed when you look at market pricing now for december there's only 1.8 basis points of hikes priced and when you look at february there's only a cumulative 8.7 basis points priced. so not much in terms of pricing over the next couple of months uh but that was partly in reaction to that post-meeting statement with the less hawkish guidance. Uh, but however, the forecasts in that statement do lend itself to m- more tightening. And in particularly, the post-meeting statement described inflation as being at the top of the target range of 2 to 3% by the end of 2025. And that was much higher than the prior August statement description of at the top of the target range of uh, uh, sorry, at the top of the target range of 2 to 3% by the end of 2025. So exactly where that core CPI forecast is, is in 2025, whether it's still at 2.8 or whether it's closer to 3 is going to be quite instructive for the market in terms of assessing the risks around the RBA's forecast and whether there should be a greater probability of the RBA moving in December or February, as is our view. Uh, the other bit we'll be looking at uh, quite closely is just their description about the inflation data itself. Uh, there wasn't too much description in the actual post-meeting statement there, and especially their tolerance of running inflation above target uh, for some period of time. So, yeah,
0: it is uh, it is sort of out a kilter with the rest of the world, isn't it, to, to, to an extent. So we'll see what all those numbers do tell us today. Uh, the UK, uh, well, you know, Pretty subdued isn't it? we get the GDP number out later today uh year on year last time they were at 05 point five percent the expectation is quarter on quarter a contraction of uh, 0.1%. one percent so um you know with all with that and all this dovish u s talk I mean it's very safe isn't it to assume that the Bank of England is
1: completely done now I'm not sure whether it's safe to say they're completely done again it's going to really depend on the inflation data. I think central banks have seen enough on the activity side uh, and they're Willing to wait it out until inflation does come back down more meaningfully. But if you were to get a reacceleration in inflation, then that would kick off the hiking cycle again. So I think markets are going to be starting to transform more towards focusing on the inflation data rather than being so focused on the act. Right.
0: Yeah. So that's the message, isn't it, from everybody. So, again, it'll be the same message, presumably, uh, from uh, Christine Lagarde, who's having a fireside chat uh, with Martin Wolf from the FT uh, in London uh, uh, later on tonight, isn't it, I think?
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be really fascinating Um, and not really... um, uh, knowing exactly what will be discussed in that, but you'd expect a pretty wide-ranging discussion. Uh, and, and New Zealand PMIs today as well, and
0: uh, we get the uh, Michigan Consumer Sentiment Read for November. Uh, including, of course, the inflation expectation one year out, which was at four point two percent last time. So, is it too soon to see that coming down? Given you know the the expectations we've been seeing in the market lately.
1: Yeah, we'll be looking at that quite closely. It, they did rise uh, quite unexpectedly last month, even though you did see a little bit of moderation in oil prices there. So, the consensus does see a tick. Uh, does see it uh, tick down to four percent, and for the five to ten year at three uh, percent. Both of those figures are still a little bit high in regards to being consistent with inflation being at, at target. So the Fed will be looking at that quite quite closely, and whether that does tick down or whether it is remaining uh, a little bit ele- uh, a little bit elevated.
0: All right. Okay. We'll let you go for now. Thank you, Tapas. We'll catch you again very soon. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that is it for now. But it's not it for the week because the Weekend Edition is out later today. I'm going to be talking to Sonia Strawman, NAB Executive Credit Risk, about how the housing sector is weathering higher interest rates and which business sectors are feeling the squeeze. And no surprise, like commercial real estate. It's really important to, to understand that commercial real estate is a very broad asset category. It's office and um, and retail as well. But we're also seeing pressure in other sectors. So what are those sectors? Well, Sonia has her ear to the ground. Uh, she's been talking to a lot of businesses and has some fascinating insights in this weekend's Morning Call weekend edition. So tune in for that. And again, of course, Monday morning for the regular weekday edition of the Morning Call as well. I'll see you for either or both of those. I'm Phil Dobby Fanab. Thanks for listening.